My name is Julian Chambliss. I'm a professor of English and a core faculty member in the Consortium for Critical Diversity and the Digital Age Research, CEDAR, at Michigan State University. And I will be your host for this episode of Every Tongue's Got to Confess. The purpose of this podcast series is to explore the experiences and stories of communities of color by listening to the voices of attendees at the 2019 Zora Neale Hurston Festival of the Arts and Humanities. Holly Baker talked with Pamela McCauley during the festival. Macaulay is an engineer, an educator, and an entrepreneur. She's also a nationally recognized speaker, author, and a tenured professor in the Department of Industrial Engineering and Management Systems at the University of Central Florida, where she leads the Human Factors and Disaster Management Research Team. Listen to their conversation. My name is Pamela McCauley, and I am a professor of industrial engineering at the University of Central Florida. Uh, I have been at UCF since 1993, so I've seen amazing changes in the institution. Um, I do research in the area of ergonomics, biomechanics, and creating fuzzy mathematical models to predict risk of injury. And in addition to that, I still teach. I still very much enjoy teaching. So I teach probability and statistics, ergonomics and biomechanics, as well as being a professor. I'm also an entrepreneur, and I've owned a business for the last 20 years here in Central Florida, an engineering-related business. So um, because of my engineering academic background and my entrepreneurial background. A year ago, I was selected by the National Science Foundation to lead the i program or the Innovation Corps. So I'm actually on loan to the government uh, as a program director at the National Science Foundation. Um, what drew you to your profession? Well, um, my dad always told me I'd make a good doctor because I liked science and I loved math. Uh, and even though I liked science and loved math, I really didn't like the sight of blood very much. So um, when I shared that with my father, and I was already in, in uh, pre-med, um, we did a little digging around and found out that I could study industrial engineering with an emphasis in ergonomics and biomechanics and use my interest in math and science and my love for the human body minus seeing live blood. <laughs> but it's funny because today I uh, do a lot of expert witnessing I've done for the last 20 years. So I've seen more autopsy photos and and blood, but it's not a live person in front of me, so I've uh, still had an opportunity to have that medical craving satisfied. What drew you to the Zora Neale Hurston Festival of the Arts and Humanities this year? Well, I've been a fan of the Zora Neale Hurston Festival for the Arts and Humanities for several years. Uh, I've actually had my industrial engineering students work on projects for the festival to apply some of our process improvement activities, um, and so I can see uh, what a amazing experiences is I mean it's it's a global truly a global festival and it brings together people from diverse backgrounds um, it celebrates culture it celebrates one of the uh, an amazing woman Zora and all that she was able to do in her life and so um, it's a, a joy and an honor to be a part of it to come and not only uh, enjoy the festivities but actually make a contribution you participated in a roundtable called the Information and Technology Transfer Roundtable. What did you talk about during the roundtable? Well, we talked about a number of things. I think some of the key points that were made are that we need to make sure that everyone has access 
to technology. I mean, we want to transfer technology, but you have to get it to people in order for them to have something to transfer. So we definitely talked about accessibility, uh, whether it's in rural communities, uh, the digital divide does still exist. Um, although it may be narrowing, there are certainly uh, differences in terms of the level of technical access that people in different communities have. So we talked about ways to address some of that uh, from an educational standpoint, um, as well as once folks get in their STEM careers, particularly women, what are some of the things that we can do to make sure that they stay in those STEM careers? Because the statistics tell us that about 48% of women who start a STEM career in their 20s will be gone by the time they're 40. And so I, I've always said that's one of the greatest human capital crises our country has ever seen when you get a person through the STEM education pipeline and then they get in the workforce and leave. So, and, and all of this, of course, impacts the third point that I think we made, which is innovation. I mean, STEM is real and it's about having people prepared and educated to create solutions to problems in our country, in the global society. I mentioned engineering's grand challenges, as well as the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And so many of these solutions are rooted in STEM. And so we really stress the importance of, again, giving everyone access, making it uh, making STEM receptive and welcoming to people of diverse backgrounds. So we can ultimately have these people ready, educated, and prepared to provide the solutions to the global problems we're having. How does ZoraFest intersect with your work and passions? Well, um, I think the ZoraFest intersects with my work clearly as an educator. Uh, there's a lot about the festival that is extremely educational. Uh, while it's a lot of fun and entertaining, uh, it's hard to come here and not learn something. So there's a true educational component, whether you're a student um, or a 50 or 60 year old. I mean, there's something for everyone here where you can walk away and say, hey, I didn't know that before I attended the Zora Festival. And so um, I'm about lifelong learning. Um, also about celebrating culture. I think a lot of times um, STEM folks we don't necessarily have as much of an appreciation for the arts and humanities. And it's not that we don't want to. A lot of times it's just the educational process and the curriculum. You don't have an opportunity to gain as much in the humanities and the arts as a part of your STEM education. Uh, so I think it's vitally important that STEM and humanities come together. And we're starting to see that in the STEM education community, that when you have the humanities involved, that enhances a person's decision-making ability. Uh, it improves their likelihood to be able to accept diverse opinions and perspectives. So uh, see, being here really is, for me, something that I think is beneficial, not just for me, but also for other of my students who I've brought here over the years, because it really does enrich their educational experience. What do you hope that people take away from ZoraFest and from your panel this evening? Well, I, I hope that from the panel, they'll take away that there are opportunities, real opportunities, and a real need for all of us to be a part of this STEM solution. And when I say STEM solution, I mean making sure that everyone who wants to get access to technology to support their education or career or even entrepreneurial endeavors, that those folks have access to that. And it's in all of our best interests to do that. And so really come together as a community. I love that it was a round table and there were uh, folks from the community, folks I respect and have worked with over the years, because that, it, that really is what it takes, a true community effort. And so I hope people will leave knowing that they 
not only do we all need to be a part of this, but that they've got great resources right here in their community. Um, and for those of us who aren't, those who aren't in Central Florida, I hope they'll be motivated to look into their communities and see what resources are available for them. So I, 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 my greatest desire is that they would leave feeling uh, empowered about access to STEM education and opportunities. In your panel earlier, you spoke about an experience that you had in Malawi. Yes. And I really wanted to um, share that with the audience. Absolutely. Um, two years ago, I was a Jefferson Science Fellow with the uh, U.S. Department of State, and the Jefferson Science Fellow Program is a program that brings senior academics um, into the State Department to help uh, introduce science into policymaking. And I was in the President's Emergency Program for AIDS Relief Office, or the PEPFAR office. And while I was in the PEPFAR office, of course it was fun. <laughs> I mean, I was surrounded by mostly doctors and economists and policymakers, and so you had 300 people and one industrial engineer, so uh, I've never felt so valued. I mean, <laughs> and so it was really great uh, to be there because one of the objectives was to introduce sustainability related process improvement activities to HIV and AIDS healthcare service delivery in the countries that are supported through the PEPFAR office. And so Malawi was one of the countries that uh, we chose for me to look at. And so I had an opportunity to travel to Malawi and really start to understand the HIV and AIDS healthcare service delivery process as it relates to uh, applicable industrial engineering principles, as well as where to insert innovation out throughout innovations throughout this this process. So I call that the technology insertion points throughout the HIV and AIDS healthcare service delivery process. So it was a tremendous uh, experience to spend that year with them. But one of the things that I learned is that HIV and AIDS rate is in increasing among young women in Africa. And so I started doing a little research to try to understand why this was happening. And one of the things, the points that was made and one of the things I learned is that oftentimes if a family has to decide who's going to go to school, they may choose the, the boy rather than the girl. So the, there may not be money for the girls and the family to go to school. And what some of these young girls were doing where they were prostituting themselves so that they could get money to go to school. And it just broke my heart. I mean, no one should have to prostitute themselves to go to school. It was very eye-opening, very um, enlightening for me to see such a different culture. And also the HIV and AIDS healthcare service delivery process looking, uh, and I have so much respect and admiration for uh, these folks and how well they did with what they had. But they, the healthcare service delivery process was just so different from a first world uh, healthcare service delivery process. So it really required me to be extremely creative and resourceful uh, in terms of the things that I propose as solutions. And so being uh, the person who still loves teaching after 25 years, um, I brought all of this back to the University of Central Florida and shared it with my students uh, in the form of multiple lectures. And I remember when I shared this with one, one class, there were about 125 students in the class, and I shared with them the HIV and AIDS healthcare service delivery process and how the rate was going up with young women and how this is why it was so important that we found ways to apply these industrial engineering principles because then we could possibly get another 10, 20, 100,000 more people on uh, art therapy and so they wouldn't have to uh, and they could stay in school, so they wouldn't have AIDS. They possibly could stay in school, so I'm sharing all of this information. And at the end of the lecture, a young man comes down to the front of the classroom, 
and he's crying and he said, now I know what I want to do with my industrial engineering education. He said, I really want to change the world. He said, because my mom actually had to do that to go to school. And so it was such an emotional, you know, moment for me. And, and he actually did. He sent me an email. He took his industrial engineering knowledge back to Thailand where he is helping to make a difference there. See, that's so beautiful. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been an honor talking with you. Thank you. Thank you for Thanks for been work. a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Every Tongue's Got to Confess podcast, the official podcast of the Zora Neale Hurston Festival of the Arts and Humanities. Holly Baker and I produced this podcast with assistance from the University of Central Florida, the Association to Preserve Edenville Community, and Michigan State University. Be sure to find the rest of the episodes by searching for us online and subscribing to the podcast. See you next time. Thank you.